tonight. Did WWE do the wrong thing by having Sami Zayn lose the Elimination Chamber, or are we wrestling fans forgetting what wrestling is supposed to be? Did Tony Khan's latest important announcement live up to the hype? Will Sasha Banks be running back to WWE before the year is done? Who really picks the winners in the Wrestling Observer Awards? Plus, one of Canada's independent superstars, former Shimmer World Champion, Nicole Matthews, joins us to talk about women's wrestling, and Dan the Mouth Lavransky and I get together to share some of your feedback. It's all coming up on Canada's only national wrestling radio talk show. This is Sunday night's main event. We love professional wrestling. Acknowledge me. This is Sunday night's main event. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. On the iHeartRadio Talk Network. Because you love something fresh in you, don't you? We deserve better, people. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Do I have everybody's attention now? My God, what an impact. Hey there, it's Mike McGuire welcoming you to Canada's wrestling radio show, Sunday night's main event, powered by TotalSportCards.com. Canada's number one stop for all WWE, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. That's TotalSportCards.com. This show is always available to you for free on the air on TSN, the iHeartRadio, and News Talk Network through several affiliate stations across the country and online at snmeradio.com. Now, you can get this show early along with all our new Patreon podcast lineup for about a buck a week at patreon.com slash snmeradio. Five bucks a month is what it comes out to. For that, you get weekly TV reviews, UFC, music shows, comedy, and a lot more. Patreon.com slash snmeradio. Each week, we scan the thirst traps that are wrestling headlines from across the land, but only a few get our double taps for likes, and we bring them to you each week in this week's Five Count. You want to hear the breaking news? Jeff Hardy's latest DUI case has been closed. It was this past June that Jeff Hardy was charged with several DUI infractions. Jeff pleaded no contest and has now been sentenced to 24 months of probation, a $4,000 fine plus court costs, his vehicle has been impounded, a compulsory recovery program or rehab, community service, and his driver's license has been suspended for 10 years. This stems from when Hardy was found driving his vehicle erratically, smelling of alcohol, and was found to be driving more than three times the legal limit and failed all the sobriety exercises, quote, without risk of falling. Now, it's no news yet as to what this means for his AEW contract status, as Tony Khan had said he would wait to find out the outcome from the courts before making any formal decision with Jeff Hardy. Speaking of Tony Khan, his important announcement was another hour of AEW content coming to TBS in the form of a docuseries called All Access. But Tony's also been busy as matches for the return of Ring of Honor were filmed this week. There have been two days of filming now, which featured several stars from the ROH roster. I'm going to avoid spoilers here, but there were some big names from around the world that also showed up. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to mention that some of those names were from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Tony Khan has also announced that there will be an ROH world title match between Claudio Castagnoli and A.R. Fox. The Return of Honor airs this Thursday on ROH's Honor Club streaming service. Well, in addition to getting the ire of AEW's Tony Khan, Ariel Helwani had another episode of his BT Ariel Helwani Meets with WWE's Bailey this past week. During the interview, which you can catch on YouTube now, everything from Bailey's early days to her return at last year's SummerSlam came up. But of course, 
There's also some talk about Sasha Banks and whether or not Bailey thinks Sasha would return to WWE. Cool. I'll never give up hope that she'll come back. Do you think it happens? Um, I'll say yes, because I mean, this is her home. This is her dream, and like, I love to see what she's doing and what she's going to be doing over the next few months. And uh, she's going to literally take over the world, take the world by storm. But I know this is her home and where her heart is. So. Um, and by her heart, I mean me. So sure. she needs to come back yes, to me, yes. you know? I need her. I need my travel partner. But I, I'm going to say yes. Like, I'll never give up hope that she'll come back. Sasha Banks, or Mercedes Money, still has a couple more matches committed to New Japan and stardom. And is also signed with the United Talent Agency, who are one of the biggest players in Hollywood. Impact Wrestling has what many consider to be a much-anticipated world title match on the books now. And it's going to be happening in Toronto. This past week, it was announced that Steve Macklin is the new number one contender to take on Impact World Champion Josh Alexander. Macklin won a four-way match at this past Friday's No Surrender pay-per-view show. He defeated Brian Myers, PCO, and Heath. This will be his first world title shot in Impact. The match between Steve Macklin and Josh Alexander will take place at the Rebel Entertainment Complex on Sunday, April 16th which, by the way, is Impact's Rebellion pay-per-view. And the annual Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards came out this past week. Some of the top categories included Wrestler of the Year, John Moxley. Most Outstanding Wrestler went to Will Ospreay. Tag Team of the Year are FTR. Best on Interviews went to Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. Promotion of the Year went to AEW. Best Weekly TV Show, AEW Dynamite. Pro Wrestling Match of the Year was Kazuchika Okada versus Will Ospreay from August 18th in Tokyo. And Booker of the Year went to AEW's Tony Khan. Now, naturally, we're going to talk about these awards with the Wrestling Observer's Dave Meltzer, including one or two of the big awards that he actually disagrees with. Also, are FTR being snubbed by AEW? Will it really be Omos and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? We got a lot to talk about with the Wrestling Observer's Dave Meltzer. Plus, don't forget, Dan the Mouth Levransky will be here in just a bit, as well as Canada's own Nicole Matthews. We're back with more Sunday Night's Main Event in just a moment. Chat wrestling all week long by joining the Sunday Night's Main Event group on Facebook. Just search SNME Radio. You're listening to Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. TotalSportCards.com, Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with TotalSportCards.com. TotalSportCards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. It's time for the Wrestling Observer Insider with Dave Meltzer on Sunday night's main event. Well, this is one of the weeks I always look forward to talking to Dave Meltzer because it's the week where he takes all the heat for decisions made by others. (laughs) That's actually every week. (laughs) The Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards came out. These are often dubbed the Meltzer Awards, even though 
once again. We did this last year. I feel like we have to do it every year. Can you explain the process quickly as to how these awards are voted on and, and maybe how many people have a say in this besides you? Every year at the end of the year, we put out a awards ballot, you know, basically in the newsletter. So every newsletter subscriber is allowed to vote and then their choices are tallied up. The only exceptions are the Shad Gaspard Award, which won't be out for another week, which I pick with um, a couple of other people and the Bex Box Office Draw Award, which I actually pick myself. So but all the other awards are fan voted. And um, and so that's the basic situation. And in the Japanese awards, you only see Japanese promotions in, uh, you know, most of the American awards. You probably don't see much of anything from Japanese promotions or Mexican promotions or European promotions. So, I mean, the one thing is, is that, you know, we cover everything and people can vote on everything. And we have, you know, different categories for different countries and divisions and things like that, too. But these awards are open and they're open to MMA, too. There's just some other, you know, promoter of the year, promotion of the year that's open to any MMA as well. So for those that are coming out saying that the biggest categories were very AEW heavy here, is that a reflection then of your readers? Is that something um, you feel is justified? Because I've heard you talk about this a little bit before already, but I wanted to get it here from your mouth directly. I mean, every 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 single category is different. I right. mean, you know, I mean, it's like wrestler of the year was won by AEW. Um, most outstanding was won by New Japan. Match of the year was uh, New Japan. There's plenty of awards won by there was many awards won by WWE. There was there, I don't think there's any overall awards won, won by stardom but um you know women's mvp was won by stardom there were more aw winners but it was not anything like last year where aw ran through everything this year you know a lot of awards that aw got ended up not going to aw match of the year ended up going to new japan um announcer of the year went to kevin kelly from new japan a very close over excalibur there were some close races and there were blowaway races you know tag team of the year was FTR blow away ran through the you know, everyone. The reality is, is that they won it for holding belts in Ring of Honor and AAA and New Japan Pro Wrestling, and probably the three matches that put them over the top were all Ring of Honor matches, not AEW matches. So, but they are an AEW team, and they did you know run away with it. AEW domination is well less than last year. Most of the awards, if you had asked me before I saw one ballot who I would pick, most probably are similar. There's a few that I would go different, but even the ones I would go different, the person who I would go different or the match I would go different probably took second anyway. So, I mean, right. I look at it and go like it's anyone who should have won probably cracked the top five. Most I agreed with. And there were a few that I didn't. And there were a few that I wrote. Hey, I don't agree with it. And this is why in the Observer. Well, know, so. one of the big ones, and we, we have to talk about this, is that I, I don't know if you completely disagreed with it or not, but it, it seemed that you definitely threw it into dispute a bit was the Booker of the Year title. Yeah. I um. So I mean, Tony like, Khan from AEW did win Booker of the Year, according and it, to and it, your and it, was, and, it, and it was close. Rossi Ogao was second. And I mean, the one thing is, is like if you're talking about, you know, biased, I mean, they're absolutely because of the fact that stardom is not viewed by as many people that that stardom does not fare as well as it probably could and should. Mm -hmm. So when, you know, Rossi Ogawa taking second and relatively close, you know, when I look at that, that's sort of like a moral victory for Rossi Ogawa, but he didn't win. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, my pick would have been Paul Levesque, but, you know, you the, I mean, believe me, I've heard the arguments. He only booked for six months. <laughs> 
Tony not only booked AEW, but he booked Ring of Honor. He booked all those killer pay-per-views. He had more good matches on his TV than anyone else, which some would say, you know, I mean, everyone's got a different opinion. But I mean, there's been, you know, plenty of people that were very vociferous for him, and and that's fine. He got more votes than anyone else. There's always going to be complaints. So like last year, he won Booker of the Year, and I thought it was no question he should have won because AEW was going up and WWE wasn't going up, and AEW grew. You know, New Japan didn't have a great year. I thought, you know, he won last year for sure, and he won by a landslide. And people still were going to complain because there's people who are just going to complain about everything. And then this year where it was close, I did expect people would complain because Paul Levesque, I thought he had a really strong last six months, but it wasn't the whole year. And and Tony booked a lot of pay-per-view shows more than any other year. He went from four to eight and pretty much every show was great for, for different reasons. Did AEW increase in popularity? No. And that's how I looked at it. It's like, were they as big in December as they were in January? And, and I think that from a popularity standpoint, they weren't. No, look, there's always mitigating circumstances. WWE from January of last year to December, are they stronger? Yes, I think they're stronger. Stardom from January last year to December this year, are they stronger? Much stronger. New Japan, they're even stronger. So it was not my pick. So I'll just say that. But look, he got more votes than anybody else. And I can see why. He booked some great pay-per-view shows. And AEW Dynamite, to me, was the best TV show of the year. Um, so many great matches, week in and week out. But yeah, it was a contra- that one was a controversial pick, and it was close. And it was a close call. And if everybody saw everything, you know, uh, Rossio Gallo probably would have won. Something else that's kind of rumbled out of the Wrestling Observer Awards here, and we'll move on after this. But people weren't too shy about noticing that AEW published a lot of their results, a lot of their big winners. But a team that wasn't mentioned in any of their posts was FTR, who took a couple of the big ones, including Feud of the Year and Tag Team of the Year. Why do you think? that FTR isn't being mentioned by AEW now. We know that they're on hiatus. They they are signed until April. But at the same time, you know, Dax has even said on his podcast that, hey, like, we're ready to come back to work if it's time to come back to work. But, the you know, Tony's the boss. So are we seeing the end of FTR and AEW, you think? I think that we're going to know in about a week. Look, there's an open slot in the casino battle royal. And if it's FTR, then you'll know. And if it's not FTR and we don't see him in a week or two, then, you know, maybe it's they're going with the idea that FTR is gone and we're not going to publicize them. But I don't think that's it. But when we talk next week, I think that we will have uh, a lot better read on that situation, because like I said, you know, the Joker in that battle royal, a team that's not going to be announced until the very end, FTR is under contract to AEW. So they're as good a pick as any because it has to be a surprise. And that's a surprise that will work because they've been gone. I can already see the less than reputable websites now. Dave Meltzer confirms that FTR are going to be the Joker at Casino Battle Royale. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and actually, it's actually it's actually Brian Alvarez's theory. He was the one who said, "Like, doesn't this make sense?" And I said, "Dave Meltzer confirms eh. Brian Alvarez's theory." <laughs> it's like it's like I I heard I heard that, and it's like, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So. Yeah. It could be. It could be. I, I wouldn't put it past anybody to do anything as far as a work goes these days. Let's talk about that now. This is something we are going to talk about a little bit more with Dan the Mouth Lebransky coming up in just a bit. MJF's promos getting a lot of attention, getting a lot of buzz. In your opinion, Dave, the stuff that he's talking about, uh, basically admitting a, a vehicular crime, talking to Brian Danielson's children. Is this just a heel being a heel in 2023? Because I kind of get the vibe. Yeah. That's, that's what they're exactly. going for. 
I mean, that's the that's the attempt. You know, it's it's the attempt to go all the way as a heel and come up with different ideas. And if it works or it doesn't work, I mean, we'll know everything he's doing is trying to sell him as the heel. Brian Danielson is the baby face for this match. And, you know, it's it's tough because in 2022, the fact is, is that unless you have a really unique situation or a super over baby face like Sami Zayn, you know, your top heels are going to get cheered. And I think he doesn't want to get cheered. But I mean, the most important thing, I don't care if the heel gets cheered or booed. The most important thing to me is, do people buy it? The truth at the end is, how many people are going to buy the pay-per-view next Sunday? And if the answer is the same as usual, then they did good. If the answer is much lower than usual, then it's like, okay, we got to reevaluate. And it didn't work. Another thing to learn on Sunday, you know, or, or actually be middle yeah. of the week when we, when we get those numbers in. I, I might be diving too deep into the weeds here, but I always say that if, if you're ever too concerned about something being, quote, too real in wrestling on the microphone. That's actually I, bad. You know, well, because, well because yeah, but hold, but hold on. My, my theory is that every time you hear someone say something horribly awful, if they follow it with the date of the pay-per-view and you're yes. still upset, you're being worked. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here, 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 I'm going to light your house on fire, but on March the 5th, no, I'm going to see I mean, you. I mean, look, look, everything, everything that's said is to build a match. So, yeah. but, 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 the, but is, but the thing is, does it work or not work? If they go in there and they do a good pay-per-view number, mm -hmm. then yes. If you're mad and you buy the pay-per-view, it worked. If you are mad and you don't watch the show, it didn't work for you. And the idea is you make, it has to work for more people than it doesn't work for. And that's exactly. actually wrestling. You know, Heyman and I used to talk about it. It's, did you turn on more people than you turned off? Because you will turn off people when you get risque. If you turned off more than you turned on, you made a mistake. If you turned on more than you turned off, then it was a success, even though there will be people who don't like it. And that's, you know, that's a basic theory of promoting and taking risks on wrestling. And wrestling promoting has got to be a risk unless you're swimming in money like WWE, in which case you don't have to take any risks. If you're everybody else to grow. You got to take risks. Well, let's talk about WWE now. A lot of the suspected WWE WrestleMania matches are turning out to be a lot different than expected. A couple of the big ones, of course, Drew McIntyre challenging Gunther now for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania and Brock Lesnar and Omos. That one surprised me. And that was a late that was a late switch, too. I don't know what the original idea was, but um you know, if that's it, and then, and like I've even heard people say that might be a swerve in tomorrow's show, you know, they'll they'll go in another direction. And I don't know the answer to that, but Brock Lesnar and Omos to me was was one I was not expecting. You know, and Bray White and Bobby Lashley, I didn't see that one coming, but I knew Bray White had to be in with somebody significant and Bobby Lashley didn't. I guess it's just one of those things where they're they're kind of like the two odd men out. So let's put them together. And both of them are kind of tweeners at this point, too. Like Bray White's a baby face and Bobby yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like, well, like, I know you I know what you're saying. Are they, though? Because, you know, Bobby still gets that reaction of, of a baby face, too. And, you know, this could be where MVP comes in, you know, right? Because I mean, because MVP and Lashley are supposed to get together at some point. And we just don't know which point. And I figure before it'd be before WrestleMania. So I think by the time WrestleMania comes, you know, the idea would be that Bray is the baby face and Bobby Lashley's the heel. Let's go back to uh, the Tony Khan side of things for a second here. Ring of Honor TV has filmed a bunch of matches, getting ready for the big premiere coming up this week. There's been a world title match announced as well with Claudio defending against AR Fox. Yeah, which, which they, they filmed a lot yesterday, and they're filming today as well. What do you think will be a satisfactory 
response to Tony Khan? Like, how many people do you think are honestly going to check this out? I mean, I, obviously, the first one's going to have probably a highest spike because of curiosity. But what do you think with it being solely on Honor Club, the, the outcome is going to be of having high streaming numbers every week on this? Everything's shot in the dark. I don't even know what, what would be considered good. Um, okay. I mean, is like is 10,000 good? Is 100,000 good? I, it feels to me 100,000 would be great, out of this world great, right? But I don't know. It's all an experiment. It's not like getting a, a TV show. I mean, because a TV show would be so much better than a paid streaming service because the idea is traditional wrestling is just you put the TV product out and you want as many eyeballs as possible and you do that for free and then you make money charging basically if you're going to do house shows or pay-per-view shows. And they are doing pay-per-view shows, but it's a paid streaming service. And I mean, I guess the closest equivalent is probably what Jarrett did 20 years ago when they first started TNA. TNA, yeah. You know, it's a weekly thing, but then it was a weekly $10 as opposed to a monthly $10, right? Mm -hmm. So this is easier from that standpoint, but that was also a concept that that didn't work because they didn't have TV. You know, TNA started getting better pay-per-view numbers when they had TV. When they didn't have TV, it was not doing well at all. So I've got to think that with the Honor Club streaming thing is we're going to do this as like, a, a, I, in my opinion. As a television pilot, essentially, we're going to do whether it's a year, six months or whatever. And then we're going to try to prove that we have, even if we don't have numbers, prove that we have production values and the pay-per-views draw interest and then go to WBD or somebody else um, and just go, look, this is part of our package and this is another hour that we can sell internationally and all that. And the goal is basically we'll make some money off of the streaming and the long-term goal is to be like everything else. That's that's my gut of how the right way to do this is. And and he can afford those losses to build this product. You know, if it doesn't pay off right away with the idea, it's, it'll pay off down the line. And I think that's the whole key is, you know, Ring of Honor is something that it's baby steps this year. There may be losses this year. There probably will be losses this year. And eventually you want it as another thing that you can sell then it can flourish on its own. We are talking to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer and WrestlingObserver.com. This is Sunday night's main event. I'm Mike McGuire. And Dave, last thought for the day here. We're a week removed from it now. Some people are still saying it was the wrong decision. Others are saying, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, it kind of makes sense now. Sami Zayn not winning the WWE Championship against Roman Reigns in Montreal. Where are you sitting on that a week later? Well, there's look any choice is good but here here's here's where i sit okay mm -hmm. I, I i went in with the idea that sammy zane's the hottest guy in the company and right. would be like again like i think it should have been wrestlemania um that he should have been the one because he, he's the one who's the hottest when the numbers came out they set so many records and to me that's the confirmation that this was this this was the hottest b show match i mean like Pay-per-views, which granted is a very small thing, but Google searches, which is a very great indicator of how many people actually cared, yeah. were way above Survivor Series, and that's a big four. So how often do we have a B show beat the hell out of an A show? Very rare. And mm -hmm. not to mention atmosphere and everything like that. I mean, my feeling is, is that he should have won, and there were many different ways to tweak it. You could People are going like, well, what about later? And it's like, there's actually more opponents. There are more viable opponents for Sammy than there are for Roman, you know, because because. Right. All, but if you're thinking Sammy in the long run can't be what Roman is. Well, you know what? This is this is how I always looked at it. It's like he's the hottest guy. Roman's been champion for two, two plus years. Make the move. 
if it doesn't work, if if Sammy's numbers drop a little bit, go to Roman, go to Cody, go to whatever. That's what wrestling is. But it is so rare to get somebody so hot, especially a baby face. It's easier to get a heel hot. But if you can get a baby face hot, I think, and you and you have the opportunity for a moment like this. I mean, they did it with Kofi. They did it with, with Danielson, who were not, not, you know, neither. I mean, Kofi was nowhere near as over as Sammy. He wasn't moving numbers at all, but but he was getting big crowd reactions. Danielson was getting giant crowd reactions, but he wasn't moving numbers and setting records like Kofi, like um Sammy did either. And to me, like the Danielson year, it was like this would be promotional malpractice if you don't put Danielson over, and they did. Right. So so Kofi was like, you could do it, you don't have to do it. It's not like, you know, whatever. But but in this one, it's in between. But I would say I would have put him over because it would have been a moment that you could not duplicate. If you try it later, it wouldn't be as big as in Montreal. And, you know, you there's so many different ways. Like you get so many options by making that change. You know, there's so many guys there. And like I said, if it shows that it's a little slower, yeah. then you the think. But here's, you know, here's the thing. When, again, with SmackDown, Roman Reigns wasn't on SmackDown Friday night. Sammy was. And, and the number was big again and it's been like that every week whether roman's on or not you know the number's big so it's it's like the idea that sammy can't draw the casuals it's like he already is like if if he couldn't draw the casuals i would be the first guy going like and i did this with danielson with danielson's like look it's like i mean and i was again i was all for danielson winning the championship but i was also pointing out when people are going crazy it's like you know the ratings aren't up the house show business isn't up yeah so it's not as big as you think it is, but it's still big. With Sammy, it's metric moving numbers. And who was the last guy to do that week in and week out in WWE? John Cena, by the way, is the answer to that question. So <laughs> so it's like, don't say you can't because that pay-per-view did tremendous viewership. It was up 52% from from last year. You know, right. last last year was was a big, you know, it was a Saudi show, but it was still a big show as far as like, you know, um, marquee value of, who, of, you know, what the big matches were. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer and WrestlingObserver.com. You can read his stuff each and every week. It is worth the time. And Dave, I want to thank you as always. I guess uh, we'll have a lot of our questions from this week answered by the time we talk next week. So thank you, sir. Have a great week. Coming up, Dan the Mouth Levransky is going to join us, and we're going to talk about your feedback to some of MJF's promos on AEW over the last few weeks. Plus, coming up next, she's one of the premier women wrestlers in the world from right here in Canada, West Coast, as a matter of fact. She also runs a training school, but you'll still find her working hard each and every weekend across the Indies. Former Shimmer World Champion Nicole Matthews joins us next on Sunday Night's Main Event. You're listening to Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. All with window dressing and calculated guessing and a bark If you're a fan of Sunday night's main event, check out WrestlingObserver.com, a daily podcast, multiple podcasts per day, with hosts Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, and a number of others. You get a full library of podcasts dating back to 2005, over 9,000 shows, hundreds of back issues of Dave's Wrestling Observer newsletter dating back to 1991, and so much more. Don't miss out. Check it out today, WrestlingObserver.com. You know she gonna burn down everything 
This is Sunday night's main event on TSN Radio. Hey, welcome back. I'm Mike McGuire. Coming up in just a bit, Dan the Mouth Lavransky going to join me. We're going to talk about MJF's promos as of late and get some of your feedback as well. But right now, I want to shift gears to a conversation I had this past weekend. You know, I love the opportunity to talk women's wrestling with women's wrestlers because it's a dynamic that nobody else can understand, I think, unless you're in it. So, Nicole Matthews. She has wrestled virtually everywhere. She's training new wrestlers all the time. And the great thing about her is that she also doesn't mince words at all. If you don't know much about her, look her up. I'll tell you right now, her career history alone will impress you. But for now, please enjoy this chat with Nicole Matthews. The first ever Canadian Shimmer Women's Champion. True, yeah. I never thought of it like that. You've had uh, quite the career so far and still going. One Nicole Matthews. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I think I might be the only Canadian Shimmer Champion now I think that so I think too. about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah take that. In my notes for commentary for you tonight, I had, and I couldn't believe it, 13 years? 17. Seven, what? I know. 17 years uh, last weekend. Wow. Yeah, I started in 2006, so 17. When you were three. Uh, well, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Yeah, because yeah. I'm in my mid-20s still. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I hesitate to say how long I've been wrestling because I don't want people to know my real age. But that's but, just it, though. You, you, yeah. you know, to, to watch you, to see you, to, to know you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but to see just how your career has gone. Like, I didn't think you dated back. I, I don't know a nice way to say this, but I'm just going to say it. I didn't think you dated back that far. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm fucking ageless, dude. <laughs> we have a bleep button. It's okay. Oh, go. Oh, yeah. I should have asked that before we started. Yeah. But. No, it is TSN, so they, <laughs> oh. they do like some decor. But okay, I guess. That's all right. I can bleep you all I want. Women's wrestling. I always love talking about it with women wrestlers because I am not one. I will never be one. And the world and the landscape for women's wrestling has changed so much even in the last 20 years mm-hmm. when shimmer became a thing people thought that it was weirdos want to watch women wrestle at first and then you realize you watch it and it's like oh no this is like actual wrestling yeah and it's just women doing it and they're doing it very well what was it like for you when you wanted to get into wrestling and what do you think you were going to end up doing if you made it as a wrestler so okay first of all there are weirdo fans that watch shimmer still though well there's weirdo <laughs> fans that watch us tonight i mean there's always weirdos but no i'm kidding i'm kidding i love the shimmer audience uh so funny enough when i started wrestling so i started training in 2005 and i started training six months after shimmer started I'm pretty sure. Like, so it was the same year that Shimmer started. And I had watched, because I was a huge wrestling nerd when I was in high school. Uh, so I watched IWA Mid-South Women's Division, which was actually the precursor to Shimmer, because Dave Prezak was the commentator for there, right? So I had, like, v- oh, just to age myself a little more than we are right now, I had VHS tapes, hey. compilation tapes of... Uh, Were you a tape trader? <laughs> I, really? Okay, I, I didn't... I didn't trade i just bought from tape traders well so. still i yeah, mean you're no. in the you're in the network but yeah i had like a compilation tape of the iwa mid 
South Women's Division. And then that turned into Shimmer because it was like, you know, Lacey, Rain, Mischief, Sarah Del Rey, Allison Danger, like Mercedes Martinez. All those girls ended up being like the Shimmer core when they first started. And Daisy Hayes. Sorry, I can't forget Daisy Hayes. Uh, so when I started wrestling, my number one goal was to be part of Shimmer. That was my number one goal. Like, I didn't... Because at that time, like, the WWE Women's Division was not wrestling at that time, right? It wasn't wrestling-based. No, it was very much yeah. not wrestling-based. Right. And no di- yeah, right? And no disrespect to the girls who did it, because you take a job if someone gives it to you, well, right? Yeah. What's that giant pile of money over there? No thanks. I'm Right? Good. Like, if someone gave me, like, a million dollars to sing, I'm a terrible singer, and I can't sing if my life depended on it, but I would take a million dollars to sing. If right? someone gave me a hundred dollars, I yeah, would yeah. sing. So. Let's be real. Let's be real. Me too. I was trying to make myself sound high class, but yeah, hundred would do. Uh, so you know that WB was never really a goal at that time. So Shimmer was my number one goal. So um, and that was really the only place where women's wrestlers could be serious women's wrestlers, right? So uh, lucky for me in Vancouver, like I started wrestling at the same time as a lot of people who were my age. So I had a really good core group of people I trained with, yeah. and who were like around me and supportive and stuff. So I had it lucky in that way where I had a good group uh but yeah obviously women's wrestling was not taken seriously at that point right and i was like told like you should bridge more you should like just like creepy shit is that really a thing you should bridge more oh someone literally said that like you should do more flexibility stuff like that's, that's like, gross i was like 19 at the time too right wrong. So. i've been 19 too so i mean i get it but i don't because that's just dear god it was yeah. bad that was, well, that was a grown-ass man telling a 19 yeah. year old to do that so well, that, pers- that person is a creep yes you were disgusting um Okay, so let's shift forward then to yeah. women's wrestling does get taken more seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of your stops, most recently in the last five years, was that May Young Classic tournament. That was when it looked like WWE specifically was investing hardcore into their women's scene, and they did in a lot of ways. Did they tell you anything about how things are going to go when they call you into that, or no, not really, because there's 32 of us or whatever, right. right? So there's a lot of girls there. It was an interesting experience for me because. I uh, actually almost didn't wasn't able to do the tournament because I didn't pass medical at first because I had an elevated heart rate which I naturally have an elevated heart rate and I have a white coat syndrome when I see like someone's taking my heart rate my heart rate like shoots up so they're like I think a white coat syndrome like the person wearing a white coat and yes. yeah okay I get yeah, that yeah, yeah yeah right so like my heart rate was it was ridiculous it was like 120 resting which like obviously that's not my resting heart rate normally but like they wouldn't clear me and they uh, made me go to a cardiologist wow. uh, on their dime thank god well, yeah. in the states right like I couldn't afford that <laughs> um, so I had to go through this whole rigmarole to actually get cleared so it was like quite a experience and then my like my gear kept falling off me during the tournament. <laughs> it was a it was an interesting experience. Uh, Were you bridging though? That's the question. I was at one of them. I was <laughs> literally. I had to pull my top off. <laughs> pull pull top. Sorry, pull my top up so it wouldn't come off. Like I, I was very lucky with my opponent. I had great two great opponents in that tournament, and I got like quite a bit of like the agents or producers or whatever they're called, like we're very hands off. So yeah, no, it was, it was a good experience in that way. Um, but overall, like the fact that WB had a May Young classic, 
two times, like showed really how they were taking women's wrestling seriously. And I think you have to thank the four horsewomen for that, right? Like Becky, who was my very first match ever. Uh, Charlotte. No kidding. Legit. Duncan BC against Rebecca Knox. Rebecca Knox. Yep. That was my very first match. So, and she's still the coolest person ever. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it was like her, you know, Charlotte, Sasha and uh, Bailey, who's, a very good friend of mine too. Like we met at Shimmer. She seems super cool. The best. I love her. I love her so much and so underrated too. I know like people rate her highly, but yeah, she's still it. underrated. I get it. Yeah. You know, uh, but like the success that they had, like they really had no choice but to push women's wrestling because they were so good. They're undeniable at that point, right? Yeah. So I think like the May Young Classic and all that and everything the the women's evolution, blah blah blah, and not to take away from anybody else who contributed to that. But I think those four just made it impossible not to push the women's division. Well, I'm not going to be that guy that says, hey, can you call your friend Becky for me sometime? And just say, Mike from SME thinks you're really cool. But I, I will say this. Uh, it, it is cool to hear that. And I don't think people in the, the wrestling fan base fully understand sometimes the connections that wrestlers of all levels maintain through their careers. Yeah, very much so. And that's kind of the industry right now, too. And even like at every level, local or WWE, AEW, whatever, like most wrestlers are cool now. And they're like, everyone works together. It's a great community for the most part. Obviously, you're going to have disagreements with different personality types and not everyone gets along, but it's so much less toxic than it used to be. And like, not that I really experienced too much of that with other women. I've always had pretty good experiences with other women, but just in general, everyone just builds each other up. Cause like, if you succeed, I succeed, right? And it's like, you build each other up. You can't, you don't pull people down the ladder to climb up the ladder anymore, you know? What is it, the, you know, high tide raises all boats or whatever? Exactly, yeah, that's, yeah, the great saying, yeah. Do you have a cat? No. No, okay, I just saw this, I was like, cause I have cats oh. and that's where I get scratches like that from. I don't, I train a lot. So it's just from people. So, you know, it's from actually like, you know, tough person wrestling, wrestling injuries. Whereas me, I'm like, I have my cat. (laughs) No, I kind of guy you're talking to right now. No, training four days a week. We'll get that. Yeah, we run a wrestling school in Vancouver. Lionsgate Dojo. Big shout out. Yeah, that's my main plug. I'm not going to plug myself. I'm just going to plug my school great school i love keep in touch because i'm gonna be heading out there soon i want to oh yeah dude there's so many we're not really associated with a promotion but there's like so many great promotions in vancouver so you come to vancouver like every weekend there's a show right right now so it's great all right nicole matthews check her out Uh, people want to find you on insta twitter wherever where do they go uh n matthews ninja on both uh instagram and twitter i created that handle when i was part of the canadian ninjas we didn't even talk about canadian ninjas but which we should Portia perez is the Best. Let's follow up next time, okay? Okay, I love it. I love it. Just all talk about Portia, right? Well, no, we'll talk about you and Portia. Oh, and okay, more Canadian about you. Ninjas, I guess, I yeah. guess. Mostly Portia, though. She. If you want. <laughs> I'm not that guy. Like I said, I'm, I'm you know. number one fan. You well, know. Okay, well, there you go. Then that's perfect then. All right, Nicole Matthews, thank you very much. Pleasure meeting you and uh, great scene in action tonight. Yeah, nice meeting you too. Coming up, Dan the Mouth Lebransky joins us to talk about some of your feedback towards MJF, his promos as of late. Is he going too far, or is this exactly where we need to be for wrestling in 2023? We're back with the mouth on Sunday night's main event. You're listening to Sunday night's main event on TSN Radio. Total 
www.thesportcards.com. Canada's number one stop for WWE, AEW, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. Total Sport Cards always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market that you can find. Keep your collection up to date with totalsportcards.com. Totalsportcards.com, proud sponsor of Sunday night's main event. This is Sunday night's main event on TSN Radio. Final segment of the show, Mike McGuire here, joined by Dan the Mouth Lebransky. Hello, sir. Hello, Mr. McGuire. How are you today? Uh, any better, and I'd have to charge you admission. But in Woo, the meantime, we'll get on with the show here. AEW, we've been talking about it a lot. Maxwell Jacob Friedman and promos like this. You want to know who I am, Dragon? I'm the type of guy who grabbed Liv's lifeless body and switched seats with her so when the cop showed up, I wasn't the one driving. And then Uncle Max is going to take his fist and hit Dada in the head with it over and over again. And I'm going to give Dada a present on March 5th. You kiddies want to know what that gift is? Early onset CT! So the question is, Dan Levransky is the guy who reviews AEW, watches every week. What is your feeling about the MJF promos and how they are going so far? Yeah, it's a really interesting situation with this because, you know, I don't want to be the old man sitting on the porch yelling at the kids on the front lawn. I don't want to be their curmudgeon. There's people doing that for me. I don't want to be that. But honestly, I really do think they're crossing lines that shouldn't be crossed here. I think both what we saw this week with the whole thing with talking to Brian Danielson's kids and the CTE crack and that, and then that one from a couple of weeks ago where he talked about the car crash and the girl and he switched the seats. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm like, these are things that the average viewer kind of has to deal with. These are little too close to home for me to be a wrestling angle. All of a sudden, the entertainment has gone out the window for me, and I'm kind of just starting to cringe. And I'm like, especially with the one with the girlfriend and the accident and like that one, I literally was cringing at the end of that promo. I'm just like, no, no, did not need to go here. I know it's 2023. And uh, he's got to be he wants to be the baddest badass. But uh, I honestly it it has not helped me. That's for sure. I don't I don't like it. Some people will say, well, hey, this is what you got to be to be a heel in 2023. Everybody knows everything about what's going on behind the scenes. You have to go for the throat on these things because there's no other way to get the fans to genuinely react. Do you think that's really the case? I don't buy that. I've reacted to lots of the stuff that he's done before this. I mean, I I don't buy it at all. And the thing is, even in the simplest terms of length of a promo and length of a segment, both of those promos, the one from just this past week and that one with the car crash, if they had just cut those promos right before those bits started, like if they had cut it right before he looked at the camera and said, hi, birdie, hi, buddy, 
And if the car crash one, if he had cut it before he started to talk about that, both of those promos would have been a hundred times better. Like I, I loved this whole idea that you have the one thing I can't have. I have never had love. And the only thing I love is this title. And now you want to take the only thing I love. And you are, you know, like, I just thought that was incredible. I thought it was really, really great. And then the deviant psycho killer taunting the children. I, that, I as soon as that happened, I'm just like, you took me right out of it. I, I know this is absurd for pro wrestling, Mike, but there are lines. There are lines. Well, Mouth, we got a lot of great feedback on this subject on the SNME Radio Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash SNME Radio. Let's start with some of our team first. Uh, our own Joe Aguinaldo says he's very good on the mic, no denying, but promos are too long and now feeling too forced. I've lost interest. Also from the team, Matt Ederer says, I think the flaw is in his booking, not the content of his promos. If you think he's going, quote, too far in his promos content-wise, I would suggest to you that you're not going to enjoy any form of media out there in 2023. Devin Axman says, completely okay, he's a heel, an actual heel, not a cool heel, an actual heel. You can hate him, it's okay. Jasper Daniels says, I just think that just because you can curse and bring up macabre things is considered, quote, adult, that honestly, it comes off like, quote, edgy bra stuff. And he's got more that I'm not going to talk about here on the radio, but safe to say, check out our Facebook page if you want to see or add your own opinions on this. Now, Mouth, I'm going to come at it from one more perspective here. Do you think that the MJF shock promo is going the same road of blood in a John Moxley match or a wrestler flipping off the crowd? They're almost becoming cliche to this point in AEW. Yep. Is that a fair statement? I think there's lots of things in modern pro wrestling that started out as cool and innovative and shocking things where they're just, it's the run of the mill now. Like the other one, and this is not just AEW, but you know, stuff like tables. It's like, we can't have, we can't have a show without some guys going through tables. And it's like, it doesn't mean anything anymore. It, it, it's lost its impact. I think, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of stuff like it's overdone and we don't, the thing with MJF is that he's great at what he does. You don't need this low hanging fruit of really sensationalizing it and really trying to like stick the knife in and twist. It's like, He's a good enough talker that you don't have to resort to that kind of stuff. And that's part of what bothers me as well. Yet here we are talking about it. So it is having some sort of effect, whether we like it or not. Dan the Mouth Lavransky from All Elite Weekly, Dr. Mouth's Rock and Roll Lunch Party. And of course, one of the mainstays here of Sunday night's main event. Mouth, do it with me, brother. Until next time, we thank you for listening. Let us do we do. Play safe, drive safe. Happy senior, brother. Thanks for finding Sunday night's main event. To get the complete show, as well as bonus weekly podcasts, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash SNME radio.